Ear splitting before match point. Londa. Chin. Turn back and Purdue wins. Setting up Peterson again. Block. Boilermakers do it. They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five and advance to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. The block by Purdue and the Boilermakers are moving on. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Corey Palm alongside head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, uh, one and one on the week. Tough five setter at Northwestern last Friday night. We'll talk about that match in a, in a bit, but I actually want to start backwards and start talking about Sunday, that, that pivotal match with uh, Indiana coming to Holloway Gym on Sunday afternoon. Uh, a bit of a slow start for the Boilermakers, but, but really came on and, and won sets two, three, and four <laughs> rather convincingly. Uh, just talk about uh, uh, what a what a boost a, a win like that over a rival in front of a crazy crowd hopefully can do for this team. Well, that was a lot of fun. You know, we we had won in a, <laughs> a few matches, and uh, but it was fun to, to see our team uh, play volleyball with smiles on their faces. And... I can recall being there late in the match trying to get the intensity, trying to get them to look at the next play, and and they're just out there having a ball, yeah. you know. And so you don't get that very often. But, you know, Indiana was a team that had won four in a row and, and was more than capable of beating us on that particular day. And they came out and served tough like we knew that they would, and we were probably thinking too much about them serving tough. And we did not play well in the first set, but they did. Mm -hmm. um, and then they won handily in that first set. And then, you know, we tried to stay calm. We didn't, you know, get overly aggressive with the team. Just tried to get them to relax a little bit. And then we went out, and from the very beginning of that match, it was ours. From, yeah. From the very beginning of that second set, I should say, it was it was our our match from that point on. And um, we had several people hit at a high percentage um, off the air. I talked about the play of Meg Renner, how she is beginning to really blossom. And become the player that we we knew that she could become, mm -hmm. and we'll talk. You know, we'll talk about that some more later on. But to have four players hit nearly 400 uh, or better on the night, and then block 17 and a half balls in in four sets, um, it, it was a lot of fun. And again, our crowd has been there for us every step of the way. And you know, sometimes you lose a few at home, regardless if they're in Nebraska, Wisconsin, or in one case, Maryland. Right. Um, people want you to win. They want they want you to win. That's what they're there for. But even despite those losses, our crowd continues to pack Holloway Gym and create an environment that I know our entire program is proud of. Our entire athletic department is proud of for what, sure. what that that crowd is doing in that gym. So. Right now, you know, I'm really excited uh, about this team, and it's just amazing, as, as you put it, Corey, what a win can do um, for your perspective on, on your volleyball team. But then to come back and have a practice like we had last night, this is, you know, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, we had just a tremendous practice. This team has a big upside. Yeah. Now, do we have enough time to get there? Um, I don't know, but even the veteran players, <clears throat> and we've talked about this before, don't have a lot of <clears throat> court time. 
yeah. uh, in, in matches. Um, but <clears throat> they're really starting to develop. I mean, Renner is a classic example. Chin <clears throat> hasn't played a lot this year because, partially because of injury. Right. And <clears throat> now, you know, she's, she's playing as well as she's played in her entire career and, and is breathing new life into this, this team. But it goes all the way across the board. And um, just really excited about where I think this team can still get to uh, but we have a rough go with yeah. the eight, eight matches that we have. So there's, there's lots of different perspectives that a coach can take. One, we, we can be really, really good, but how many of these teams, you know, are we going to be favored against down the stretch when you got eight matches left of Big Ten play before the NC2A tournament? Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about right near the end of the show. We'll preview the the closing uh, closing four weeks of the season for sure. Uh, Without giving away state secrets, you know, I don't want to, to delve too much into that, but one of the nice things about a, a format like this, this podcast, we have a, a very intelligent fan base. Um, they, they're very volleyball smart. They, they love hearing the nuts and bolts. Um, we actually, uh, a, a listener reached out on Monday and said, hey, uh, on the podcast this week, I'm really curious what adjustments were made between sets one and two. I don't want you to, you know, give away anything that might hurt you down the road, but were there any strategic changes uh, uh, that that led to such a ramped-up performance on Sunday? Just trying to get the team to realize that um, we need to settle down here and not get too caught up in the fact it's a rivalry uh, match. Because, again, I go back to when we played at Bloomington. We had several of our players play tight because they had not been in that match before. Well, now it's at home for the yep. first time. And again, we, we just looked like you know we were pl- trying too hard. And at some point in time, you just got to believe in who you are and go out and take care of business. And in this case, have some fun. And um, you know what happens first, have fun and win, or win and have fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those deals, but. Um, I, I'll admit, uh, I, the team fooled me on Sunday. We were there streaming it on Big Ten Plus. I was, you know, I was there for the early warm up, the practice, and then the and then the pre match warm up. And I've never seen a team look looser. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, things looked at times almost a little too loose to mm-hmm. to my you know mm-hmm. very very amateur eyes. And yeah. I thought, oh, whoa, baby, this could be a rough afternoon. Mm-hmm. It turns out I was exactly wrong. It, it, yeah, them uh, hard, playing, hard, hard to say. It's, it's so impossible to judge what a team looks like during the course of the day. Before for sure. Match. I can't do it. For sure. I can't make that determination. But the fact that they were able to stay, mm-hmm. to stay loose, to not get tight, even when things didn't go their way in set one, like, yeah. that tells me that they were in the right frame of mind, maybe your message leading in of... We played a little tight last time. Don't do that again. Try and stay loose. Don't get caught up. Yeah. It, it seems like it resonated. Well, I just think that at the end of the day, they recognized the value of the match. And our backs were squarely against the wall after losing a few in a row and then being down 1-0 to a team that um, is, it's important that we beat. Yeah. So uh, I think that, that that helped. And, again, you know, Raven, Raven Colvin is a player on our team who – has produced for us, but quite honestly, she hasn't produced at the level that I believe she's capable of. And a lot of that is new teammates around her, new person setting her the ball, higher expectations, all those things that can kind of go into play. Sure. And I, I have seen a difference in her in the last week. 
uh, in, in how she's approaching things in a positive way, where she's going to take more ownership of her, her level of play and not um, deflect that to the fact that, well, it's a different team this year and we don't have as much experience. No, it's, it, it's your time. So, and she's, she was really, really good against Indiana and has been so much better in practice. And I think, again, just has to make adjustments to, to, a, to having new people around her that she didn't have a year ago. Does sometimes it take uh, a younger player, like it's hard to believe Raven's still just a sophomore, yeah. but I would guess a natural leader, but still knowing her role on the team, is it is it my time to step up and be that leader? Is yeah. is that a struggle? Not specifically in her case, but just I don't in general. think the leadership piece is difficult for her at all. Okay. It comes pretty easily for her. I, I I go back with her thinking about she got a lot of hype early. You know, there was a lot of stuff going yeah. on where she was the centerpiece of, of what was happening with marketing and, you know, commercials and, and different things yeah. like that. And uh, by, by far, she was getting more attention than anybody on our, on our squad. And you, you don't know how that's going to impact people. We talked about the same thing with Eva Hudson, who won about every Big Ten award that they've ever made uh, during the first, you know, five, six weeks of the season and all of a sudden she becomes, you know, a, a, a big shot uh, in the eyes of the, of the Big Ten and yeah. actually the national media as far as that's concerned. That's not easy to, to deal with. I think both of them have done a great job of it. I mean, yeah, look at right now, they're playing better than ever. Mm -hmm. And everybody was worried, well, how is Eva going to hold up, you know, being a freshman with all this pressure with, you know, getting so many sets and all of this. I think she's holding up beautifully mm -hmm. and she's taking it. You know, both of those guys are just <clears throat> such fierce competitors. And I, you know, I look at where, where this program is going in the next eight-plus weeks or next eight-plus matches. But beyond that, you know, the coach is always looking at it, not just where are we this year, where are we the following year, where are we the year after that. Yeah. And I don't know that there's been a more exciting time uh, than where we're at right now for this volleyball program. And uh, we want to get something done right now. We, you know, we, we know what, what our, our job is ahead of us to, first of all, make the NCAA tournament and hopefully get a chance to host, you know, the first couple of rounds mm -hmm. and, and see what can happen. But we got a lot of work to do this year. But um, the young people on this team are, are proving that they're, they're really, really good, and they're getting some really good leadership from the veteran players that have been around, you know, been around the block a few times. You, you touch on something interesting. With, with Eva, I wasn't planning on going down this, this route, but you, you, you brought it out in me. Uh, she got 30 swings against IU. She got 58 against Northwestern. As a coach, is, is, is it a flow of the match thing? I know one's a four-setter, one's a five-setter. You know, there's some differences there. But, but is, is there a target number going in? I'd like to see her between no. X and Y. No. No. Okay. It's how do we win the match? Okay. <clears throat> and... Does she have a matchup? Is she playing well? How are the rest of the players playing? As we pointed out against Indiana, <clears throat> Chin hits nearly 400. Ellis hits about 400. Raven hits about over 450, okay? And then Eva was in that category as well. Setter scoring some points offensively. Um, <clears throat> so you've got a lot of things going well. So now all of a sudden, Meg Renner, who was setting most of that match, has got the freedom to get the ball to, she feels good setting it to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Even in that match, the matchup was good with Eva, but we didn't have to go to it all the time. 
uh, because of the other people were playing well. So that question was asked in the Situation Room on uh, <laughs> Sunday before the match about that somebody on TV apparently had said that our team is very predictable. Well, yeah, you're pretty predictable yeah. um, when you've got a player like that. You yeah. know, I mean, I think if you're going to prepare for us, your job is to probably really focus on uh, maybe Raven and, and, and Eva and you know who, who, know, who knows who else at that point in time. But as the season gets progresses, I'll tell you who's playing really well. Two people, two, or two other middles. Hannah Clayton yep. um, is busted out of a shell. And, and I think she is ready to really continue that, her development, even though she's a fifth-year kid. And Lourdes Myers. I mean, you know, early in the season, we wanted to play Lourdes because we knew that she needed to get the experience. Now we want to play her because she's ready to open up a can of you-know-what on yep. some people, yep. okay? And she's, it's just nice to have two of them right there um, and even if Raven doesn't, you know, have a particularly good night, you can, you know, you can make the substitution for her, which is what we did against uh, somebody earlier. Uh, uh, maybe it was Nebraska when yeah. we actually put Lourdes in because it was it was time to make that really well. adjustment. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just think that, that the development, and again, we we talk. I know you're going to get into this talk about the transfers. It's hard to come into a new place. It just yeah. isn't like. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like. It's it, I've, I've not done it before. Yeah, okay, make right. a transfer um, and, and be in a new, a new environment. But all three of those guys have responded uh, beautifully. But now it just looks like Hannah Clayton has just gotten more physical. She's getting used to the setting. She, she knows what her role is. And, and she wants to get something done for this team. We're going to talk about the transfers when we come back. We're also going to talk about uh, uh, Meg Renner and, and the maybe the, the – the, the light going off a little bit brighter for her when we come back. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. All right, Dave, you tease the, you tease the transfers. Let's go ahead and get into that. You've got three on this club, and we've talked about them, them all at length. You mentioned, you know, Hannah... They each have very distinct roles, uh, it seems like, on this team, and, and they've each uh, embraced that role fully. They just, I got to think there can't be anything more important for the team's uh, you know, cohesion than yeah. having new kids come in and just do whatever you need them to do. I think as NCAA Division I athletics continues, transfers are going to be more commonplace than ever before, but it's always a concern. Mm -hmm. If you bring in a transfer, what's the impact that has on the rest of the players on the team? Even when we got these transfers, which we got because we had lost some players, right. graduated a bunch, and then you know had one transfer, so we, we needed to, to bring in some talent. Uh, quite frankly, two of them just contacted me and, and asked if they could come back and play at Purdue. Mm -hmm. but. If you can find players that are selfless, that are all about the team, that aren't obnoxious, okay, um, what a smooth transition that can be. And with Hannah Clayton, who came from Iowa, mm -hmm. with uh, Grace Balancefer from Northern Illinois, and then uh, Emily Brown, who came over from Missouri, um, you couldn't ask for three better people. There's just, there's just no way that you could ask for three people to come in and accept whatever their role might be on this team. Uh, we talked about Grace Balancefer before we got on the air. And, you know, Grace has played 
maybe a third to half the time yeah. so far. She just wants to do whatever she can to help this program win. If that means get on the floor and set balls and serve and play defense, great. If that means encourage somebody else to be the best they can be, the same. Hannah Clayton, you know, she wants to play. They all want to play. Right, sure. But nobody is a bigger fan and a bigger cheerleader for Lourdes Myers than is Hannah Clayton. And, and just an incredible human being. And, and then you got Brownie that came in from Missouri, and she's the same way. She didn't know what her role might be when she got here. Yeah. She was willing to take whatever fate you know, she got. Uh, but she's fought hard, hard. She's made incredible progress since she has been here and has turned into one really nice player for us. But they're all the, as good of a, a teammate as you can ask for, and that's what makes tran the ability to bring in transfers you know, successful. And, and, and if you look over the course of time, there's nobody in the Big Ten that's gotten less transfers right. than we have because we haven't had the openings for them. But we sure were fortunate with these three because they have been exactly what we needed and, and have behaved in a way that has made that transition very smooth. You've, you've had, like you say, a few in the past. Sheridan Atkinson's on the wall in here. Mm -hmm. She was a transfer, but under the old system where – um, you had to apply and, and hope to not have to sit out a year. I don't remember Sheridan's situation. She came and played right away. Right away, yeah. In because she was coming from Long in Beach. In volleyball, hardly ever do you have to sit out a year. That, that rule was in place. It but was. coaches would not prevent that from happening. Okay. There would be a black mark on them in our sport. Yeah. Okay, so it's a little bit different than some other sports. But Sheridan was probably the most obvious transfer that we had that mm -hmm. came in and, and, and made a, a significant impact. And because she was – a great player and a big personality. Everybody, you know, was all about it and, and did a good job. But these three have been a little bit, little bit different. But I think moving forward, every program at Purdue and every university is going to have many, many more transfers. Um, I don't think that we're going to have as many as most. I just think that's the Purdue way, mm -hmm. that, that loyalty lives here, by the way. And not only with our fans, but I think also with anybody that attends school here, they like it and they want to stay here. For sure, for sure. Uh, Speaking of a, a, a player who likes it here and has waited her turn, uh, Meg Renner, uh, you, you were talking before we went on the air that it, it feels like maybe a, a switch has, has been flipped and she's elevated her play um, just a little bit more. It, as, a, as a setter, um, is that possibly a confidence thing? Is it possibly confidence in her teammates? Um, like you know who yeah. you can set the ball to and so if you have more options that you're comfortable with at least a better play yeah I, I think it's a lot of different things yeah. um, for three years she virtually set the second unit in practice and Haley Bush who was an all Big Ten player um, you know just blew up and was was a great player and, and competed and made things happen and so her role was very simple I'm gonna walk into practice and I'm gonna set and if Haley Bush breaks an ankle, then I better be ready to play. But that never happened, okay? Yeah. And now she moves into a spot, and then she's also got some competition because Grace Balancefer was a four-year starter at Northern Illinois, and, and so things are a little complicated, and she's feeling pressure in a lot of different ways, I'm sure, okay? Um, and she has still has things to learn about how to run that first unit and how to compete during matches and how to be prepared, you know, how, how much tape do I watch? Yeah. And, who do I listen to and, and, and what adjustments do I make? It's, it's the toughest position in the game, uh, you know, setting the volleyball. It's like being a quarterback or being a point guard or, what, you know, you go right down the list. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just a matter of getting the time. And then when you're 
taken away some of that time by playing another setter part of, part of the time because you think that's what's best for the team, it's not necessarily helping that individual. Right. And um, but all of a sudden, and, and I'll tell you something else. We recognized that we needed to give. And we, and our setters are training for 45, 50 minutes on their own before anybody else gets in the gym. So it's not like we're not paying attention to them. Sure, sure. In this, in the, during the preseason, we were giving them hours and hours of time every day because we knew that was a, a focal point of ours. But in the last uh, week and a half, I'd say John, um, who is one of the best trainers in the game in developing talent, and of course was an All-American setter, he has taken more of his time. It used to be with the passers, and he's now gone over and spent more time with our setters. Okay. And he is really putting the time in with Meg Renner over the last, I, I'd say, week and a half to two weeks. And part of that is, yeah, the things he's doing and, and helping her with and the reps that she's getting, but also it's just the fact that she probably now is becoming more comfortable and in, in, in with that guidance that John's providing. Um, but very few programs in the country have somebody like John that can train and teach uh, and develop and, and get kids to respond to. We're, we're so fortunate. So I think that, yeah, part of it is that it's a matter of time before mm -hmm. you start to feel good about yourself. And, um, you know, the more reps you get in, in matches, the better you feel, other teammates being better, all those things you talk about. But I also think that <clears throat> she's gotten some some more individual attention uh, from a guy that is, is, is the master in the class. It's great to hear. That's, it's awesome to see it pay off for sure. Uh, okay, we'll close out with, uh, with the closing stretch of the season. Eight games left. Uh, you're on the road this weekend up in the, uh, up in the great state of Michigan, my, uh, my adopted home state. Um, at Michigan State Friday night, Sunday afternoon at Michigan to uh, – Two good programs, uh, two tough places to play, uh, uh, and and a real opportunity for uh, for the Boilermakers to make a statement. Yeah, it's you know an opportunity to win two or anything else that might happen during the course of that match. I'd say Michigan State is undervalued as I watch them on tape. You know, they're a brand new coach who's doing a really nice job, and um, the whole staff has created a lot of positivity at Michigan State. They're playing in the Breslin Center for, for the first time, yep. which is a, a great move for them, in my opinion. And uh, so we're excited to go up there and get the opportunity to play in the Breslin Center as well for the first time. But they're, I think, 1-11 in, in conference play. Yeah. But I've watched them on tape. They are not a 1-11 team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they, they've got good talent. They're playing better. They've gotten healthy. They had some people that were out, a setter and a middle, that were both out. For a good part of the season, they're both back. Um, I watched them play at Wisconsin, and I was really impressed uh, with them. They played point for point against Wisconsin the first two sets. Mm -hmm. So I know we'll have um, our hands full uh, with them. And then, you know, two days later, we play Michigan, who, quite frankly, is one of the, I think, one of the 10 or 15 most talented teams in the country. Uh, they've got frontline attackers that will blow your mind. I mean, they every, every, they're running a 6 2 offense. And they've got six frontline players that are extremely athletic that can all put balls away. You have to pay attention to every single one of them. And um, they've, had a, they've had a tough schedule um, early on, and uh, they're five and seven in league play, but typically they would be an eight and 14 right. based on what I've seen of them. 
So it will be, you know, a, a challenging weekend, uh, as they all are and all will be down the stretch. But I think um, we're, we're choosing to look at things to be excited about, and, and that's the opportunity to go up and, and win and, and get better and compete. And I think this team will compete. I think that's one of the strengths of our team is compete and fight. And down the stretch, we're going to need every ounce of that we can find. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. When you come back from Michigan, you're not, we're not looking too far ahead, obviously. Uh, but a, a three-game homestand, um, your final three home matches against Ohio State, Penn State, and the return <laughs> trip with Michigan, uh, they're going to be tough matches. Just uh, how important, you've, you've talked about the crowd all season long, how important they can be in Holloway Gym. How big of a difference can they make in that three-game swing? Well, they can make all the difference, um, to be honest with you, because um, they help us win. They help us play hard. They help us compete. And all three of those matches you're talking about, of course, Ohio State's ranked sixth in the country, I yep. think, right now. Penn State's ranked 14th or 15th in the country. And Michigan should be in the top 25. Yep. Just and, and by the time we play them, who knows where they'll be. But mm -hmm. that's the kind of talent that they have. And, you know, they're all winnable. I can promise you they're all winnable on the home boards of Holloway Gym. And, uh, but our, our crowd has been phenomenal, okay? Um, they've just been fantastic. And uh, our, our team just looks forward, you know, to walking out in that gym every night, charging out through that train uh, and, and seeing what, what that crowd's going to look like. So um, we're, we're, we're so appreciative of what they've done, and we know they'll be there. Uh, you're talking about three great matches to finish yep. the season with at home. Uh, you got them, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Those are great matches to play, and, and I know we'll have great crowds. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Six o'clock on the Big Ten Network Friday night uh, in East Lansing, and then uh, two o'clock start. These are Eastern times, of course, at uh, in Ann Arbor on Big Ten Plus on Sunday. Afternoon. Yeah, looking, Corey, looking forward to those earlier starts. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a couple of nine o'clock starts between uh, – was it Minnesota and Nebraska? We're both at nine o'clock Eastern times, and that's a long day. Yeah, for waiting, sure. Waiting around to roll the dice, and so uh, getting the opportunity to play at six, which is what Michigan State likes to do. They like to play early on Friday. Um, Kathy George, the former skipper up there, started doing that, and I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on Sunday, uh, it's two o'clock Eastern. I would prefer one, but uh, two is still uh, an early early start and, and again those those are both going to be really critical matches to the the future of this program good luck this weekend thank travel you. safely thank you Bye -bye.